Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Certainty Talks. On the show, we talk about the system that we use to get clarity on our goals, certainty on how we reach them, and wealthy on our terms by rigging the game in our favor. Uh, And we share it because we want to help you reach your goals on your terms. You've been told to scale, to buy all these products from every each way, usually from well-meaning people. So it's not your fault when you look around and you wonder, why am I not where I want to be in business? As our mentor and business partner, Dan Nicholson, says, the biggest risk is that we don't get what we want out of life. Also got my good friend, business partner here in the Whale Club, Mr. Paul Sparks himself, not only a successful real estate investor, but also a certified certainty advisor. And guys, if you get value out of the show, please hit that subscribe button right now. That way we can help more people become wealthy on their terms. Uh, The title for today, we reserve the right to change our minds. Um, it might sound simple, but we're going to go deeper into it and uh, hopefully give you additional perspective. Uh, but before we get into it, Paul, six-word update, what you got? My six-word update today, my wife just wants slave labor. <laughs> yeah. That's all she wants from me. Um, oh, good luck I, with that. <laughs> I make a joke because, like, you know, <laughs> as we're building our businesses, <laughs> um, you know, uh, we all have these love languages. Well, we, you, you and I are very similar. Like we devote a lot of our time and our energy to our, our businesses. And, mm-hmm. um, sometimes I wish I could just buy my way out of, uh, you know, the doghouse sometimes. Mm-hmm. But like, my wife, I was just talking with uh, my, my coach, Dr. Jeff, right before we, we jumped on here. And he was just making a point that like his wife, all she wants from him is slave labor. She just wants to watch him do yard work and take the trash out and like do these things <laughs> mm-hmm. my wife the same exact way. So I'm going to be looking for ways that I can provide slave labor to my wife because yeah. um, it's just the little things, right? It's like, takes, doesn't take that long to go and like prune the garden that she loves so much, right. but you and I are so geared towards least amount of effort <laughs> that we, you know, so I'm just bringing some clarity to that and some accountability. So I got to go do some slave labor for my wife this week. Yeah. No, it's that, um, I've shared this before, right? Like uh, my wife's love language as well is acts of service. And my natural state is to do nothing. And so there's a little bit of conflict there <laughs> when someone's love language is having things done for them. Uh, my six word update, restraint doesn't get easier with time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've learned, we've got to exercise restraint. You mentioned Dr. Jeff Spencer and um, restraint is what I learned from him. Right, we got to exercise restraint. We can't go super hard at all times. We got to be, you know, uh, Kenny Osborne said, you know, uh, yesterday in the Whale Club uh, call was, uh, we got to pick our battles, or we can't try to win every battle. And so, the, I feel like every time I say no to something, right? You don't. We talk about like if you say yes to something, you're saying no to a future opportunity. So I say no, and then these better opportunities come along. I say no to that, and then these other better opportunities come along. And it's like when do I like when am I going to stop getting challenged and tested like? Just the more we, we, we exercise this restraint muscle, the more we're tested with exciting opportunities. And it's like, it's really hard to say no to those opportunities. It's just, this muscle just keeps getting tested over and over and over again. Yeah. It's just the human condition, right? We don't get to choose the biology that we were given. And a lot of us are just wired towards that. And mm-hmm. so it just doesn't get easier. I, I agree. Um, uh, it can get easier. I say, I guess to, um, the more you flex that muscle, it does get easier, but like the impulse of, yeah, but when can I say yes? When can I go? I don't think that's ever going to get easier. 
Well, and it's just like, um, like you live ways, right? Like first time you go in the gym, maybe benching 135 might be challenging the very first time you go to the gym, right? You get to a point where you're just doing sets eight to 10 of 135. Then 185 gets hard, okay, right? Then you get comfortable doing 185. You can say no to 185 pounds, right? And then, you know, so I was like, well, let's put on two plates. It's like, okay, so now it's 225. You do rest at 225. So like, I feel like the more we say no, the harder the things that come along is to say no. Yeah. Well, that's that's the importance of the solvable problem too. You got to know what are you actually trying to accomplish because our brain just sees these shiny objects. Yeah. And shiny object syndrome is just another way of saying that. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know, and we went through this last last week with your decision to you know start this uh, realtor team. Realtor team. Um, and really, the question is, well, does does this help you get closer to the impact you're trying to make and, mm-hmm. you know, closer versus more? That's a that's a filter that we can use right off the bat to help keep us in restraint when necessary. Uh, right. Dr. Jeff calls it like green light, yellow light, red light. Like, is this a green light, yellow light or a red light? And sometimes it's it's just straight green. Like this is absolutely going to help me get closer. Right. Uh, Yellow light means let's slow down. Let's collect some more information. Obviously, red light is don't do that. Um, But it's these simple little tools and frameworks that help to keep us from chasing things to help us show restraint. And obviously, you know, to help us get closer to the things that we want in life. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. All right. So let's go into we reserve the right to change our mind. So what's the problem here? Why are we even talking about this? It seems like real. it's really obvious, Paul. Is it? I mean, let me put this another way. There's a little bit of scrutiny, right? So what happens? I go out and I commit to things, right? I'll say I am going to get this percent market share. I'm going to do this many transactions a month, this many transactions a year, right? Or, hey, you know, let's just test something else, right? I want a mission to create 100 millionaires, right? I said that from day one, very first episode. We commit to things, right? So... If someone goes and changes their minds, we know plenty of people that, that, that say things and change their minds. What do we, what do we think of those people? Well, you can't commit, you know, <laughs> um, you, you're always jumping from thing to thing to thing, or you're not someone who says, uh, or does what they say they're going to do. I think that's like the fear is, yeah. well, you said you were going to do this and you told everybody and here you are changing your mind. And there's all these, this scrutiny that comes along with that. Mm -hmm. And I think we also tell ourselves a story that, well, what is everybody going to think if I change course? Mm -hmm. Um, But it's so kind of silly, right? Like when you go into real estate, for example, you might, you know, is it likely that the first thing that you do in real estate ends up being what, you know, brings you the success that you're looking for? Not necessarily. Not true in real estate. Not true when you went to college. <laughs> might not even be true when you wake up, what you're going to do for the day. <laughs> right? Here's what I'm going to get done today. <laughs> it might not even be true. It's funny you mentioned college because I, I bet that I, I, you know, I picked engineering when I was a freshman. Mm-hmm. And then I think I realized, like, I don't want to be an engineer. Uh, this is really hard. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, I pressed forward because I think I was, I was, I'm, and I'm glad I did. I think there's certain cases where it, it does make sense just because you don't want to do something doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Right. Um, but I felt that scrutiny of like, well, I don't want to restart. I don't want to have to, you know, 
disappoint my parents. What's everybody else going to say? He couldn't hack it. Mm -hmm. Things like this. And, um, so I think we just want, we want to kind of unpack that, this idea. And, and by the way, this is my mother-in-law's absolute favorite phrase of all time that she uses now all the time. I reserve the right to change my mind. Um, so she <laughs> loves this. Right. Uh, so Lori, if you're listening to this, um, this one's for you. But, but yeah, let's talk about some situations where we feel trapped by the decisions that we make mm -hmm. and we feel like we just can't change our mind. Right. Well, I mean, we've talked about on the show before naming that puppy, right? Mm. Um, let's just say I'm going to start this other venture. I mean, we'll go back to the example we, we brought up last week. All right, Paul, I heard this idea from Eric. I think it's a brilliant idea. I'm going to go execute it, right? And I start without any planning, without doing the commission frame, anything like that. I just go. And after four months, like, this sucks. This isn't what I signed up for at all. What are the thoughts that go through my mind if I decide to shut it down? Man, one more thing. Or self-talk, right? There's one more thing I tried where I failed. Plus, I made commitments, right? I hired a sales manager to run this thing. Um, might have signed up for some software, right, to support, you know, dialers and that, support this venture. So those are things I go through. What would you say to me, right, as, 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 a, as a coach and mentor for a person that's, you know, instead of micro-stepping, just went all in, and four months into it, I'm miserable? Well, I think we should tell the, the name the puppy story because mm -hmm. this is ringing in my head because yeah. um, I think it'll answer the question that you just asked there. So let's tell the, the, the name the puppy story. So if you guys have... For those who have heard this story, this is just, it's a it's a, a repeat of what you already know. But let's tell the let's tell the name of the puppy story, um, and it goes like this. But I just I imagine you know walking around in some sort of shopping center, and then you see a PetSmart, and mm -hmm. you know they're advertising new puppies out front, and you know because everybody likes puppies, right. you go inside and you're like, let me go take a look at these puppies. This is, this sounds like fun. I got time to kill. Let's go take a look. And so you walk inside and there's a little pen and they've got, you know, 10, 12 puppies running around, whatever. Mm -hmm. And they're just as cute as can be because that's how puppies are. And of course, there's a salesperson standing right, right there. They're, they're, they're not a salesperson, quote, but they are because they're trying to get you to take this puppy home. They just happen to get compensated for selling puppies. Right. <laughs> so what what is the tactic of that person? Well, of course, they want you to play with the puppy. Mm hmm. You know, go in and play with the puppies. Pick one up. Yeah. And of course, they're starting to try to get you to, you know, get attached to this puppy. Emotional attachment. Emotional attachment. So they might say, wow, he seems to really like you, Steve. Mm -hmm. This puppy really likes you. I don't know. What do you think would be a good name for this puppy? All right. And Steve says, I don't know. Let's name him Kevin Durant. <laughs> this puppy let's name this puppy durant right and they're like wow that's a great name because you're in phoenix and everybody loves kevin durant in phoenix and so they're like why don't you take little durant home with you mm -hmm. and try him out right take him home just for the weekend like. yeah just for the weekend you know no hard feelings if the puppy's not a good fit and you don't like durant you can always bring him back <laughs> what are the chances you bring little durant home 
and your kids let you take that puppy back? For me, it's not zero, but it's low. It's low. Yeah. The chances of me bringing that puppy back, particularly named Durant, very low. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think, why is that relevant here? Because <clears throat> the second you give that puppy a name and you take it home, that's your puppy. Even mm -hmm. though you're sort of in this trial period, you can always bring it back. Well, we've gotten so attached now to this puppy that it's like almost zero chance you're going to bring that that puppy back. Right. And so when we say name the puppy, that's what we mean is we are sort of naming the, you know, I'm going to be a wholesaler. I'm going to be a fix and flipper. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be a buy and hold. Oh, yeah. Investor. When we identify like this is my identity, Paul, I'm a wholesaler. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you take it home with you. Right. Mm -hmm. You take this wholesaler identity home. You go and you Google all of these, you know, YouTube videos. You spend weeks and months just consuming every bit of Steve Trang's podcasts. You know, that's where I started, Real Estate Disruptors. You're listening yeah. to guys like Pace Morby and, you know, whatever, bigger pockets. Like you're hearing all this information. And of course, you've now sort of in your brain named the puppy on wholesaling mm -hmm. and or flipping or again, whatever it is that you got attached to. Right. right off the bat. You named that puppy, you took it home, now you're attached to it. And I think the point is it gets really hard to, uh, if you see a more efficient path forward, like a better path to get what we call the solvable problem, to get to where you're trying to go in life, it's, it's much harder at that point to see other options because you sort of close the loop as we like to say yeah on what is going to get you there sure so going back to my question you're a friend i'm complaining to you paul i did this thing i've got all these realtors in my office now they're banging the phones and like i am just not i am not happy here what do you do hmm. a a good friend might say well, hey, it's temporary. Let's tough it out. Yeah. Right? Or they might help you troubleshoot. Hey, well, did you try this? Did you try that? Another thing we might talk about is... I, I, so I have a couple things I think I want to hit on. One is, let's talk about the investor frame. Mm -hmm. um, this is all part of Dan Nicholson's book, Rigging the Game. And this is like the operating system that Steve and I use to make decisions in our business to help us build more profitable, more reliable, more fulfilling businesses, right? So first of all, if you haven't picked up that book, a lot of the things that we talk about here, naming the puppy, the investor frame, stuff like this, it, Dan describes a lot of this in, in his book. So um, the investor frame says, well, knowing what I know now, would I choose to opt back in to my current situation? And I like to sum this up as convenience assets. So like we all have that. I shouldn't say we all do, but I'm assuming I'm, I'm speaking to, let's say, a business owner in a real estate investing business. You run a real estate investing business. Mm -hmm. Well, let's say that you have 10 rental properties. Not all 10 of them are going to be great. No. You know, and, you know, you've got the one or two or maybe three or four of those. Or maybe it's all of them. Like one of the guys in our community, Matt Hoover, did the investor frame 
he had dozens of rental properties in the Memphis area. And he used the investor frame and said, like, well, knowing what I know now, would I choose to buy all these rental properties again? Mm-hmm. And the answer was no. And I think what happens is we get caught up maintaining these convenience assets because we made the decision at one point in time. And it's a lot harder to just let go of that decision than it is to just maintain it. So we right. do this with rental properties. We do this with marketing channels. We do this with employees. We keep these people and these you know, lead sources and these different things because at one point in time, we thought it was a really good idea. Mm-hmm. But then we get more information. We get further down the road. And if we really were honest with ourselves, if we asked ourselves, like, would I, knowing what I know now, would I hire that person again? And if the answer is no, the first thing that we like to say is, okay, well, then what would need to change in order to make that true? And if we can't change it, then we just need to get rid of it. And what we say, like, recapture that and reallocate it to something that is going to get you uh, closer to what you want. But this whole idea of we reserve the right to change our mind, it gets us, that sounds obvious until you start recognizing the areas of your life where you're attached to the decision that you made. You're attached to that puppy you named. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you see this a lot, right? Where we talk about in business, but you see it in uh, decisions, right? Like uh, if we're going to, I don't know, a, a vacation spot, say hypothetically, you know, and I was like, I, I, I want to go to uh, Tahoe. Paul wants to go to, uh, what's that up in uh, Whistler, right? Like, you know, and no matter what happens, I am sold on Tahoe. I have to, I, this has to be a great experience, right? Like, there's no way you can tell me it's not a good experience. Like, I am emotionally attached to that decision. Since I've made that decision, every filter I have is going to be on how this is going to be a great decision. Paul, on the other hand, maybe was unhappy about Tahoe. He wanted to go to Whistler. And so now the whole time he's been going there, he's like, ah, this wasn't a good idea. I knew this was a bad idea, right? But there's nothing Paul can do to convince me otherwise because it was my decision. And I am going to do everything I can to defend my decision, whether it was wrong or right. Right. Because that's human nature. We just want to justify our decisions and, and see, see, that was a great decision to go to Tahoe. And right. you were wrong for wanting to go to Whistler. Right. And we do the same thing in business. We, um, I don't know, I'll give you a, like a real life example. Um, for me, I started, I, I watched guys like you. I watched guys, you know, from Collective Genius and saw how they were building their businesses. And so what did I do? I went out and spent all this money on lead gen. I hired a lead manager and cold callers. And then I got, now I got to hire an acquisitions manager and then we need dispo too. And so I'm building all these things out. And again, that's, this is, none of this is right or wrong. We like, we have this other phrase where we say preference versus binary and binary means like right or wrong. Very few things in life and business are right or wrong. Mm -hmm. Most of this is preference. Do you want that? Cause there, there's an infinite number of ways to make money in real estate. I think that's like the hope here is you can play your game and still be very successful, even though maybe nobody else is doing it that way. Right. Um, but I got caught up building all these things. And of course, now I accumulated all of these, what I like to call obligations. Mm-hmm. You're obligated now to the lead sources. You're obligated to the people that you've hired and you're obligated to the time that you've now committed yourself inside of this business. 
And I had to say like, well, knowing what I know now, would I choose to do this again? Knowing that like my preferences are geared towards bigger deals. I want to do big deals and fewer of them. Um, and so I just, I think I realized like I was maintaining these assets, even though I wouldn't do that again, knowing what I know now, I wouldn't do that again. But I just, it, it was really hard to let go because I was just so attached to, yeah, but if I completely gut my business and I go from doing three or four deals a month down to like three to four deals a year, what are all the people inside of Collect Collective Genius going to say? Am I yeah. still going to fit in? What's Steve, what's Steve going to say? What if I don't find a deal this year and it ends up being a year and we have all these doubts and, you know, it's the scrutiny and the expectations that I think keep us from giving ourselves the right to change our mind. Well, you're mentioning everyone inside the real estate community, right? But, you know, your story is you went to school for engineering and you went to go work and became a salesperson and then quit that job, become a real estate investor. And then to say, you went all in on that real estate investor thing. He's like, I don't like real estate investing this way. Yeah. So what's your circle going to think? Right? He Paul can't stick with anything. Yeah. That's what we tell ourselves. I don't know that that's necessarily what everybody thinks, but it, it, we, certainly there's some of that. And But I think the I other thing, too, is even if they do think that, does it matter? Yeah, but our human mindset tells us that it does, right? Our, our human our mindset tells us, that, tells us that it matters. But, you know, one of the things we talk a lot about is clarity and certainty, right? Like, if you're very clear on your solvable problem and you're very clear on how to get there, you know, between preferences, uh, uh, op opportunities, going through um, the uh, case framework, if you've gone through all of that, does the scrutiny really matter? Well, in reality, no, but in our brains, like, yes, because I think at the end of the day, we're like, we all just want to be part of the tribe. We all yeah. want to fit in. And so whether you like it or not, you're going to, I think, experience some of that pull back to the mean. Mm -hmm. Well, everybody else is doing it this way. Yeah. And I asked this question, right? I think maybe just for, you know, food for thought for everyone else. Um, you know, one of the things that, that was really fortunate for me was years and years ago, I brought in a mentor. Or not, I don't say mentor, but I look up to him as a mentor. He wasn't really mentoring me per se, but, you know, I was buying him a uh, lunch here and there. And there was one thing he said to me that really stuck with me. There's a couple things he said to me that really stuck with me. And one of them was like, Steve, you're going to be successful. It's like, thank you, right? I don't feel that way because, like, my business is not <laughs> going. No one would look at my business like, man, Steve's crushing it, right? And what he said to me is like, uh, here's why I know you're going to be successful. Because you know what it takes to get the job done, and you don't care what anyone has to say about it. It's like, oh, okay, well, that's good. Good to know. I had no idea about this. So uh, he knew that just from having lunch with me. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah, the, so, you know, we, we've talked about it before, but let's just dive a little bit deeper into this. Uh, you know, you talked about Dr. Jeff Spencer, right? There's the human mindset and there's a the champion's mind. So going back to you know the scrutiny and expectations, how does scrutiny and expectations play in with the the human mindset and the champion's mind? The human mindset's always gonna be reacting based off of impulse, first of all. Mm -hmm. So a lot of us have 
similar, like human biology. And I don't want to get too down into the track of human biology, and behavioral yeah. psychology and things like this. I don't think that's the point of this show, but the point is in order for us as humans to get to where we were today, we needed certain instincts and mm. impulses, big lions coming. We need to like, <gasps> like, react you know you ever had that moment where you're i mean maybe you have maybe you haven't but like you're driving and you're going through an intersection and somebody is flying through that intersection and and before you can even think you know to jerk the wheel and yeah. turn away did you did you think through that nope. no we didn't we reacted based off of an impulse so most of the time our impulses are there to protect us because if we if we don't if we can't survive, then there's no point. So right. there's certain things in our biology that are just there. Mm -hmm. We can't do anything about, right? It's always going to be there. And yes. uh, this is, we've referenced uh, thinking fast and slow. This is what, and that's a book written by a guy named Daniel Kahneman. He calls it system one and system two brain. Dr. Jeff calls it the human mindset and the champion's mind. If you want to be, you know, um reacting and surviving don't do anything just let your impulses take over but we also had these moments where you ever had that situation where someone says and you i you know we were joking in the will call this week about how i've never seen you mad never seen you mad and as long as i've known you you know never gets angry so you this may not be your impulse but if you're listening to this maybe you maybe you've had this happen to you and it certainly has happened to me where someone does something to you and it and you don't like it and you negatively react oh yeah well was that you or was that your biology i would say it's your biology it's your impulses my biology combined with my ego yeah and so our impulses can be right a lot of the time i would argue more than 50 percent of the time our impulses are right um but it's not about all it's like it's that other bit mm -hmm. right there where we can't always trust and rely that our impulses are going to help us get to what we want. So going back to though, like the scrutiny expectations then, right? Cause this is the thing that's, when we talk about, we reserve the right to change our mind. Well, what are we, what are we battling against? It's a scrutiny and expectation. So how do we then overcome the scrutiny expectations? Do we overcome them? Well, I think it's important to first establish clarity. That's why we always start with solve the problem. Mm -hmm. You know, and Dr. Jeff always says that champions adjust to the reality of what's yeah. happening. And it's one thing to, so it's different. There, these are two different things. One is saying like, I know what I want in my life. Maybe you don't have crystal clarity on that. First of all, you reserve the right to change your mind on that too. Right. But if we can, if we can get clarity on what success looks like for us, what does it mean to play our game? What does it mean to live life on your terms? I think that's the whole point of this podcast is we're talking about tools and frameworks to help you design your life and your business around your definition of success, knowing that that, that also might change over time, but let's get clarity on what success means. So we have something to aim at, but I think we would also agree that we don't know always the best path to get there. How could we? Because we, we know what history tells us, but we don't know what the future always holds for us. You know, COVID was a great example of this. I think a lot of us 
got into business thinking, oh, the market's only going to be going up forever. <laughs> and on then end. it happened. Like, how can you account for that? How can you predict to that? Well, right. a champion adjusts to reality. So when we're talking about scrutiny and expectations, I think it's, um, I'm trying to think of the phrase right now, hold your, I don't know, I'm going to butcher this, but basically be open to options of mm -hmm. how to get there. Very clear on where you want to go and open to the, to the best path to get there. And let's not define exactly how it needs to happen because we're not accounting for reality and what, and what's going to happen into the future. Yeah. And I think, um, something we talked about, um, because, well, I guess before we go into this, um, what are we not talking about? We're not talking about, Hey Paul, I know we said we're going to record something today, but I don't feel like it. Right. That is not what we're talking about here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Making promises and then changing because you don't feel like it. This is that's flakiness, right? But let's say you know we're supposed to report record this podcast this morning, and I have a hundred and one degree fever. Circumstances have changed. We've got to update based off this new reality, right? Or maybe my kid was vomiting all night, didn't get any sleep. I would hope that Paul would be understanding enough. I say, hey Paul, I know we're supposed to record something today. It's not going to work, right? So we're talking about we commit to something, we go through it, we have data now, more data, and now that we've got more data, we realize this actually isn't helping us get closer to what we want. And now the two questions, what would have to change for this current circumstance to help us get us closer to what we want, or maybe it's time to recapture resources and reallocate it. And there's a couple other things too. Um, I think uh, in ways to maybe reduce the number of times where you have to change your minds. Not to say again, changing your mind is a bad thing, but to reduce the number of times you have to change your minds. So the concept of micro-stepping, we've talked about it a lot, right? Taking a step here and there, collecting data, taking a step, collecting data. The other thing um, I, I took from what we did last week, where we're talking about me and potentially we're starting up a realtor team again, letting everyone know, hey, in three months, we are going to evaluate whether this is the right step, mm -hmm. right? So, hey, this is what we're going to do. And in three months, we're going to figure out whether we want to continue doing this. Um, yes. Right? You brought, let, me, let me stop for a sec. That is such a wise point that you can't say this after the fact. <laughs> you have to let people know up front that, hey, we're going to do this. And if it doesn't work, I reserve the right to change my mind. That's much different than saying, hey, you're hired. And then three months later, you're like, you know what? I changed my mind. We're going to dump this. Yeah. And unfortunately, uh, that happens more often than that, right? Because look, you and I, were quick starts. And I think probably we're surrounded by a bunch of other quick starts. I think just we attract who we are. There's a bunch of quick starts around us. And I think, you know, a small percentage of us might start things over and over again. And after three months, ah, scrap that, bad idea. Let's just completely shift, right? And everyone's kind of consistently getting whiplash. But if we just set the expectations up front, hey, we're going to do this for three months, and um, we might figure out we don't like this. 
So right. if that's the case, we're going to reevaluate. The other thing too, uh, I learned this from uh, from Nick. Is like champion's mind is integrity, right? I believe that's on the card. Uh, operate with integrity. But then we got this other thing, like reserve the right to change our minds. Like, how do we reconcile those? So one thing that helped me a lot uh, at Clarity uh, from Nick was like, just commit to fewer things or commit to fewer big things, right? Commit to smaller things, commit to things that you can control and then evolve what you, what you commit to. But don't like go out, <laughs> commit to outlandish things because that's how you, this is how you hurt your reputation. It's how you name the puppy too, you know? Yeah. You've committed to this and then, but what happens when you get halfway down and you realize this isn't a good idea, mm -hmm. your brain's gonna tell you, but I have to finish. Cause I'm someone who does what they say they're gonna do. Right. And there's a guy who, who is in the CCA with me. His name is Dr. Todd Schneider. And he did a presentation a little while ago. And it just, he said something that really resonated with me. And I think he, uh, I might be butchering this, but he says intelligence is the ability to learn something and then change your behavior. And I think that's really relevant here because mm -hmm. um, we don't know everything, right? Like, how can we? How can we know what the future holds? We can't. Right. And the truly intelligent person is not someone who reads something and says, uh, wow, that's interesting information. They use it to actually modify their behavior until you've modified your behavior. You've not learned anything. And intelligence is linked with that. You know, we all know the person who is just so stubborn and set in their ways that even if you're presenting them with more information that might cast doubt on that, they're just not open to it. They're closed off. I think the way that I think and no, no amount of information is ever going to change that. And I think that is a very low intelligence right there. Right. I'm just going to call it like this. And there are high IQ people that are this way too, right? So we're not saying this matter of IQ. We're just saying the way we're defining intelligence is the ability to bring in new data and modify behaviors. Anyway, continue. Yeah, well, that's, that's it. It's just, I think Dr. Jeff... Dr. Todd Schneider, Nick, Dan, all these people, what they're saying is you've got to build a system that accounts for reality. Mm -hmm. Because when we, when, even our best laid plans are just a best estimation of what reality is. You right. know, how many of us that are listening to this, I'm guilty of this, said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to build this wholesaling business and then we're going to sell the deals to our flipping business and we're going to have a construction business that's going to handle all the deals. And then we're going to refi these and we're going to keep them as rental. So we need a property management business. And maybe we add a, a realtor component to this. And we just we're, we're defining this massive vision so far out. And it's like, have you done wholesaling yet? Nope. It's like, <laughs> Do you even know if you're going to like it? Nope. Yeah. Do you even know if you're well suited to run this type of thing? I mean, I thought you wanted passive income. Yeah. This sounds like a pretty active, massive thing. So I think we just get caught up um, trying to define too early exactly how it needs to happen as opposed to defining cl and getting clarity on what success means for us mm -hmm. and being open to – that's why we say most amount of options. 
We have this orientation towards creating the most amount of options so that we can, because we don't know what the future always holds. Well, the likelihood of your plan going perfectly and you executing that plan to the end are pretty close to zero, if not zero, right? So like reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, right? What was the obvious conclusion? Buy rental properties. What did I do? Became a realtor, right? So did the realtor thing, <laughs> right? And I do that for a bit. And um, uh, if you asked me when I read the book, when I was an engineer, when I was a realtor, would I ever have social media influence? I would have laughed in your face, right? I remember specifically at Darren Hardy's event asking him, right? He's like, Steve, whether it's you or someone in your company needs to be the face of the company. You need a face of the company. He's like, I don't want to be the face of the company. I am totally good being behind the scenes. I have zero desire to be the face. And he said, too bad. That's what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. And here we are, right? 2023, face of the company. But prior to that event, right, I never would have done that. And so, like, my plans have never included me being the face of the company. I did everything I could to hide behind the scenes and support everyone else. But you get new data. And you execute that data. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I will say this. Most of us do this fairly well, I would say. We, we adjust on the fly. It's not about, this isn't an all or nothing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we could all, if we really reflect, we could give examples, multiple examples of where we had, we've made a decision, but then we were presented with new information and we adjusted. And and we can all observe that. What I would challenge everybody to do, because it's a lot harder to see the places where you named the puppy, where you're attached to these convenience assets, where you're maintaining, let's say, subscriptions in your business. Like you thought that that subscription or whatever that you bought at the time made so much sense. But knowing what you know now, would you buy that subscription again? No, I haven't used this in months. Okay, Mm -hmm. well, you're maintaining a convenience asset. So reserve the right to change your mind. Those employees, you know, you hired this salesperson and they're a B player. You thought they were going to be an A player Mm because they interviewed well. Yeah. But they're maybe their B minus player. And it's like, do we do we tolerate B players on this team? Maybe you do. I don't know. But knowing what you know now, would you hire that person again? The answer is no, then what needs to change in order to make that so, or you just need to get rid of that person. Yeah. But we all have these things in our life and our business. And the challenge I think to everyone that's listening to this today is do the work. It's really going to, it's going to be very uncomfortable to evaluate all these decisions that you made. Mm -hmm. Are you building the business that you actually want? Are all the things that you're doing getting you closer to what you want? Do you have, random subscriptions and things that you're paying for marketing channels that boy we've been trying to make you know cold calling work and we've been doing it forever and forever and forever and the data actually shows that texting and i don't know what the data shows but the point is is you know use the data Mm -hmm. do this and evaluate all the decisions that you've made in your business this is a tall task i get it and again this is part of the stuff that we help people do inside of our community whale club so you know we have a blueprint for it but this is a very simple exercise that anybody that's listening to this can do. 
and we need to do it with regularity. Mm-hmm. Like so what's every quarter. So what's an exercise they can do? I mean, do you go back and like, all right, you spend like, where are you spending a majority of your time? And then evaluate the top three to five things that you're doing and that, that fall into the majority of your time. And figure out, knowing what I know now, why I do this again? And then going like, maybe looking at your business and looking at all your expenses and evaluating each of these expenses. Knowing what I know now, what I signed up for these expenses. Mm. Knowing what I know now, what I hire these employees. Like where do where do we start applying the investor frame and, and, and you know exercising the right to change our minds? Starts with clarity, right? If we don't know our solvable problem, we're evaluating base we're evaluating most of these decisions based on more. Mm-hmm. You know, I could make more money if I did this or whatever. But what we need is we need a mechanism to help us know whether we're getting closer. And what the solvable problem means is that you funded what you want in life on your terms and on your timeline. Mm -hmm. And this doesn't need to be more complicated than just like, what is it that you want? How much does it cost? And let's put a number to it. Let's just bring clarity to that. Um, We've got people that want to buy beach houses. We've got people that just want to have Fridays off so they can go fish. We have people that want to, um, like me, just be in business with people that challenge them. Like I just enjoy doing business with people. That's mm-hmm. fun for me. Yeah, someone uh, in our community that wants to endow fifty thousand dollars a year to his to his church, so he can cover his pastor's salary. There is no judgment on the preferences that we have, but we just got to bring clarity to that. So here's here's a couple action items, right? If if you want help on solve a problem, you can go back and listen to a couple of the episodes that Steve and I have done. Mm-hmm. You can also reach out to me. You can go to realestatecertainty.com and book us with uh, what I have a strategy session there, certainty strategy session. And I'll just walk you through some of these steps and we'll custom fit it to the specific situation you're going in or you're going through. Once you have clarity on that, then what I would suggest is doing an audit on a framework we call a timer. So if you got a piece of paper and I know a lot of people listen to this while they're at the gym or they're driving or whatever, so you may not have this, but hopefully this is fairly easy enough to remember a timer is an acronym that stands for, what does it stand for? Steve attention, time, impact, or influence money, energy, resources, relationships. Yes, exactly. So he just blew through that again. You can go, you can, you can rewind 10 <laughs> seconds. Again, I can just, if you want to, you want me to go through this with you, I'm happy to do it. You can go to realestatecertainty.com and book a strategy session but let's do an audit. Where are you spending your time? Where are you spending your money? Where are you, what kind of relationships do you have? And you got to ask yourself, well, knowing what I know now, would I choose to spend my time on this? So let me give you an example. Let's say that success for you means I want to be done at 5 PM. A lot of us, like we don't have a problem working. Mm -hmm. We say passive income is great and all, but I also enjoy working. I, if I, I just like it, you know, mm-hmm. I like working on something that's worthwhile. Right. It has to be something worthwhile. I don't just do random stuff like yard work or slave labor for my <laughs> wife, as I mentioned. Or hey, uh, Paul, organize a, st- these, a stack of papers. Yeah. Well, that's not what I want to spend my time on. But you know, if you say that you want time, well, 
ask yourself, where are you spending your time now? And knowing what I know now, would I choose to be on Instagram for two hours a day and watching Netflix two hours at night? Or could I recapture that time and apply it to things that I actually want? Or maybe it's inside your business. Knowing what I know now, would I choose to spend money on this marketing channel? Because we got a bunch of data back that says, maybe we're just not a good fit for this. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> the question becomes, well, and we, and there's, there's a lot more to this. I don't want to make this sound so simple that, uh, but this is a good place to start. It's just do an audit yeah. on all of the things that you are maintaining, you know, um, would you hire this person again? Would you choose this marketing channel again? Would you be in this market? You know, we, we all grew our businesses really quickly there mm -hmm. and yeah. we went into all these different markets and now knowing, you know, you went to like, I was like Oklahoma or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Knowing what you know now, Steve, would you would you be marketing in Oklahoma? Absolutely not. Well, there you go. And so you'll probably just going through this exercise, you'll probably pick out some really glaring gaps. Mm -hmm. I don't care who you are, how successful and smart you think you are. You have blind spots. We know this because we have 80 of the top, some of the top real estate investors in the country in our community, and everyone has this. Right. But most of us won't slow down. Because this is so simple, most of us just won't do it. Yeah. Well, I, it already uh, know that. I already understand that. That's too, that's too rudimentary. That's right. obvious. Jim Rohn, right? What's easy to do is also easy to not do. Yeah, exactly. So this is really easy to not do, but that's probably the best place to start is you got to know what you want. And then let's go evaluate all these different currencies. Attention. Where are you spending your attention on? Maybe people don't realize that that's a currency, but you're paying attention to things. Mm -hmm. What are you paying your attention to versus what would you like to be paying attention to? And that's a currency. Right. Your time, you're spending time doing things. What would you like to spend your time on? So again, it stands for attention, time, impact or influence. Are you making the inf impact or the influence you want on your your teammates, your family, your community, and your church, whatever it is. Money. What are you spending your money on? What are you spending your energy on? Are there things throughout the day that just suck the energy out of your life? You know, it's just like <laughs> mind numbing. And then also relationships. What relationships are you spending your, you know, your other resources and currencies on? So if you do that audit, I can almost guarantee, and that's where I usually start anybody. That's why we, we start with a, a timer audit very early on in the process when people come into well clubs, because we want to just identify the glaring gaps mm -hmm. and let's just plug those holes. Let's recapture that stuff. Cause it's not getting you closer to what you want. Let's recapture it and put it towards something that will get you closer to what you want. Oh, it makes total sense. So was there anything we haven't covered that we want to make sure we cover before we wrap up? Um, I think the, I think that, just to reiterate, we all reserve the right to change our mind. And we're probably doing this fairly well in a lot of areas. Mm -hmm. It's the blind spots that get you. It's right. the things that you look back and, you know, three years later, you look back and you're like, how do we get here? Yeah. You know, if there's frustration in areas of your life, keep the loop open and recognize you probably named the puppy on a lot of different things. And, Sometimes it actually does take going through the reps, doing the work, 
it's, it's easy to do it. It's also really easy not to do it. And our human mindset is going to tell us, yeah, I need that person. I yeah. need that marketing channel. I need that subscription. But the real question is, do we? Yeah. Well, you know, you talked about naming that puppy was you getting to, to becoming this bigger wholesaler. And as we're talking through this, I've called being a realtor the lost decade, right? Nine years of my life lost. Doing something didn't make sense for me. Well, knowing what I know now, I would not have been a realtor for nine years, right? A realtor exclusively for nine years, right? Mm -hmm. Knowing what I know now, back in 2007 when they were wholesaling and I thought that was a temporary fad, might have paid a little bit more attention to that little wholesaling thing that people were talking about, talking about back in 2007. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, but I named that puppy. I'm a realtor. I'm going to go down this road. I've committed to this. I've, um, I, I have clients. I have a CRM. I have, uh, I've got the uh, education, the, the coaching, the all these things that support this identity of being a realtor. And knowing what I know now, man, that was just not the right call. <laughs> yeah. So it happens to the best of us, and I'm. I don't think we're sitting here saying that we're the best of us. It's like, we're just, we're, we're just like everyone else that's listening to this. We all make mistakes right. because we're human mm -hmm. because we have this biology. And most of the time it serves us. Like our impulses are right. A lot of the times, yeah. but I think we all can recognize our impulses have gotten us in trouble more than once in our life. <laughs> Probably like for you and I, like a lot. <laughs> Maybe um, every day. Every day. And it's because <laughs> the human mindset never turns off. So oh. yeah, this is, e this is like simple, not easy. And if um, you do the work, it's, it's going to be worthwhile. Uh, before we wrap up, would it make sense to share about something you and I are doing in September or should we just hold that off for a later date? Our, our event? Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead. So right now, Paul and I are talking about potentially doing something September 8th. Uh, locations to be determined, but it seems like we agreed on September 8th, but we reserved the right to change our mind, right? That's so what we just did this whole, this whole show on. And uh, right now we're looking at the possibility, not, not guarantee, but possibility, having uh, uh, Dan Nicholson, Nick Peterson, Dr. Jeff Spencer, uh, and uh, all the other Well Club members uh, attending, right? Doing hot seats and so on. So um, it's a Well Club only event, so... Something you ever thought about, just reach out to us. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't need to do it as just a last last year we opened it up to everybody, mm -hmm. but our community has grown so much that we're just gonna keep it to the people that speak our secret language, right? So right. Um, again, there's just so much power in having a community of people that all speak the same language. When we say name the puppy, when we say investor frame, when we say two tyrants of leadership. And we have so much time that we've spent like getting on the same page with this language. Mm -hmm. And again, what it allows us to do is shortcut the process of building more reliable, more profitable and more fulfilling businesses. Absolutely. All right. Perfect. So we'll wrap it up here. Thank you guys all for watching. Thank you for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Bye everyone.